time. Are y'all ready to get into the word? I, this is exciting. So let me let me qualify a statement before Lisa comes. We are going to talk about loving children tonight. Okay, let me make a statement. I don't want you to look at me and go, I don't got no kids. Okay, but you're a big kid. The thing about raising children in our society today is that is very, very important. And you might have had your kids and they're gone, but your kids are having kids. And you're, and if you're a grandparent, your kids are having kids and their kids are having kids. And we're around them. And our society, we, we need to talk about loving children. What does it really mean to love children? So... Um, I love my children, but what does it look like to love a child? I wrote this down, and we're going to go to Ephesians 6. Children need acceptance. Children need care. Children need kindness. Children need boundaries. Do they know their boundaries? And have you given them any boundaries? It is not love to let a child do what he wants to do and raise himself. It's, uh, and so we're going to talk about it. Uh, so Ephesians 6.1, did you have something you want to dive into that? Okay, okay. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. You know how many times I've looked at my kids and go, let's pray. Because you want it to be well with you, you, then you need to obey mommy and daddy. That it may be well with you and you'll live long on the earth because if you keep it up, you're not going to live very long. <laughs> I brought you in the world. I'm going to take you out of the world. And you fathers don't provoke your children to wrath, but bring them in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Let me make a statement to you. It says train them, not tell them. If you're not training them, they're not getting trained, and they're not going to train themselves. Did you have something you're going to dive in? Yeah, you know, I just wanted to say in our book, in the Jordan translation, it says, love pitches no tantrums. It has, it sees no fun in wickedness. Then in the Hayford translation, over on page 16, it says, love be, does not behave rudely, but displays good manners and is courteous. So I just wanted to read that, and I want... Paul, not Paul, Paul's up here, Ocell, to throw something up on the screen here in just a minute. It is our job to correct our children and not to allow them up to a certain point in their lives, not to allow them do things that are unlovely. Now, you can't correct everybody's children, and you can't change the children of the world, but God has entrusted those to you up until 18 years of age, and we're going to talk about children and grandchildren when they reach over 18 and how God would use us to correct them. It's, it's, it's never too late. It's never too late. Don't, don't always, don't ever think it's just too late. It's never too late. God will show you how to speak into an older child's life or grandchild's life. Um, we know that from experience, but I want to read this to you. Did I give you the verse, Osel? Hebrews 12, 6. And we'll just start right from there. Hebrews 12, 6. For the Lord, up, oh, I'm in a different translation, so that's my bad. For whom the Lord loves, he what? He chastens 
and he scourges every son whom he receives. That's a pretty tough word. So let me read from an NLT translation. For the Lord disciplines those that he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. So if you find yourself being disciplined by the Lord and going through an area of punishment where you're like, man, he's just leaving me alone right now, but this is hard. I want you to know that Hebrews 12, 6 is a good verse to put in your promise box. He loves me. That's why he's disciplining me. And he punishes the one that he says, I accept you as my child. And so he's trying to keep you from harm. So don't look at the chastening of the Lord as a bad thing. So I'm going to read something to you, and there's a book here, and I'm going to show you a couple books tonight. If you're a parent, all of us, we all need to read this book. Let me show you this. This Self-centeredness is sort of the source of all grief. We we all need to read this. Don't pretend like you, everything in your life, you're you're never self-centered. Because... Because all of us deal with this to some degree or another. Lisa and I were making a joke today about a person we knew. And I said, well, let's don't be so hard on them. You know, their parents didn't do so well. And then she said, well, their grandparents didn't either. And then finally she laughed and said, all the way to Adam, they've been screwed up. And they... And that is true. You know, when you look at my life, my, uh, my dad left. I didn't have a father. My mother raised me. Those things... I would say, well, it isn't my fault. It's my fault if I stay that way. But, but I, came, I came into Christianity with a lot of problems because of the way I was raised. And, and, it, and it, you know, you have to admit, well, it's not my fault, but it is if I stay this way. I'm not going to stay like this. I'm going to make some changes. Now, I'm going to read something out of this book. And uh, just reading it really changed my attitude, and I'll tell you why we're going to do this. Biblical parenting involves dealing with your child's self-centeredness. Life's not about being served all the time. Children need to learn that it's in giving they actually receive. They must be trained, there's that word, to serve others well. Did your parents impart this into your life? Are you building it into your children? Now, that's huge. Let me stop for a minute and make a statement to you. In our society today, it's easy to walk into church and go, well, just put them in the nursery. Well, the nursery people have to now deal with how you raise that child. Well, then just put them in children's church. Let Jeannie deal with it. And Lisa's worked in children's church. And, you know, there are people you have to get real, what's the right word, um, creative with some children, and she may tell you some stories. But in all reality, I want to say this. It is, you brought the child in the world. That child is your responsibility. It is not the churches. It is not the schools. It's not the governments. You say, well, we both work. You can do anything you want to, but you still have a child, and it is your responsibility that that child gets raised in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And if there's not, then the money or whatever you're blaming is not worth it. I can guarantee you that. Okay? So, you know, um, the, it is love to teach them right. A woman busy grocery shopping with her toddler right in the middle of aisle nine. The child boldly said, I want that. Calmly but firmly, mom replied, no, you can't have it. 
Back and forth they go. His voice rises higher and higher until he screams, I want it! Seeing the need to add more pressure, the toddler throws himself on the floor and continues his temper tantrum. You don't want to know what I would do. You, do you know what most self-centered parents do? They give in to the child because of their own selfishness. They get unwanted attention off of self. Everybody's looking at me. The parent satisfies the child instead of bringing godly correction. And when that happens, junior self has just been reinforced, and he learns. Self can get anything he wants if he throws a fit. You want to dive into that before I keep going? All right. Raising children takes time. You have to stop right there and go, I got groceries, but right now, and, you know, and I've had people, we're going to get into a few scriptures on spanking and James Dobbs, and we'll get into a little bit of that in a minute. But it's like I can beat them and beat them and beat them, they don't change. That is not true. You've lied to yourself. If the Bible doesn't work, then, you, then how do you know you're going to heaven when you die? It's true. You it's can't true. just go, oh, this one's true, and that over there's it's not. True. Children want um, boundaries. They want to know where they fit. So the best thing to do is, is look at them and go, no, and if you do that again, and naturally they are, stop. Leave the store. The groceries, the food can wait. Go home and deal with Junior. The second thing is never lie to your children. Never lie. I'll whip you when we get home, and they're hoping you forget, and then you forget because you don't want to deal with it. You're, just, you're messing the kid up. When my kids heard me say something, they knew hell would freeze over, but it would happen. You're teaching them to trust God. If God says it, he means what he said. He said what he meant. So by the time you get home, you're like, I don't want to deal with this. And, you know, doesn't, you know, oh, I'm not angry anymore. It's never been about anger. Amen. It's been about right versus wrong. And you deal with, with rebellion or, or, because when you deal with rebellion, you show them this ain't happening. So I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you can tell me where you've had speeding tickets? How many of you ride down that road and go, whoa, and you slow down automatically because you remember the $200 share revenue coupon you gave the police that day? I'm going to tell you something about pain in the body. You, that you say, I talked to my kids and they didn't get it. They would if you applied a little reminder to the back to where they go. I remember the last time I did that. Oh, I remember that very well. Pain is a great way for people to remember. You can, I can go into my childhood when I was four and five, and I can't tell you a lot, but I can tell you about the day I put a bobby pin in a socket. I remembered every, to this moment, I remembered every moment of that event. The bobby pin, the outlet, the next wall in the living room, my mother finding me, carrying me. I remember it all. I don't remember anything about that year, but I remember that day. I remember that Robin and Ronnie out singing, ate a peanut, ate a peanut, ate a peanut just now. And talking about how you ate a peanut and died. And I remembered that I ate a peanut and I worried all day I was going to die. And those are the only two things I remember, but they both had an impact on me. It's amazing. 
<laughs> I wanted to go to heaven, but I, you know, I, I don't want to, I'm going to die. I ate a peanut, Mommy. I ate a peanut. Ronnie and Robin said I'm going to die. <laughs> How many of y'all sang that song? It was a stupid song. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're better off. Or 540 bottles on the wall? Yeah. On the bus ride? Bottles of beer? And oh, something. Bottles of something. Okay. Well, we were a Christian camp, so I think it was Coke or something like that. <laughs> but I want to read this one verse to you. I just want you to listen to it. Ocel, you can put it up in just a minute. I want to read this verse to you. Listen and remember. Whoever ignores, I want you to think of every age of person, from childhood up on into years. Whoever ignores instruction, Proverbs 15, 32. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself. I want to stop there. When you don't discipline a child, their makeup, their godly makeup in there knows they did wrong and you did not set the boundary and you keep letting the boundary be loose. That child inside is miserable because when you spank him and correct him and or her and set boundaries, then that shame is released. That guilt goes, and now we're good again. But if you never correct them the way the Bible said, that child internally starts to despise and hate himself, they and do. he becomes hateful. Correction cleans their soul. Yes, yes. And yes. a lot of kids suffer. They go, well, Mike, now we're going to talk about spanking in a minute, and we're going to go through this word. Well, my dad beat me, and I'll never beat my kids. Well, I don't know what your dad did to you, but probably didn't get beat. But if you did, you can't stop obeying God because your parents did it wrong. So I'm going to say this to you, parents or grandparents. When you walk in and go, man, I just need some relief from my kids. Why? Why? Do you not know that you can teach a child to mind? Now, I'm not talking about sitting like little Lord Fulton Roy in a chair and never moving all day. That's not healthy. That's not right. But to tell me that they can't sit for an hour, you, I can bring mine in church. When they were two, set them in a chair and say, sit. You know why? Because sit means sit in my house. I never counted one because the first two are a lie. I never put them in a chair and let them sit and be mad at me. We, We would deal with it, and then we would pray. And then they would, I would look at their brothers and say, if you mention it, we're going in the bedroom. And restore them back in and act like nothing happened. Leave it alone. It's over. It's over. And it's nobody else's business. What did none of your, you want a whipping? Okay. That's the way to do it in love. But he who listens to reproof, that's any of us. He who listens to correction or reproof gains intelligence. So if you want to be intelligent, you want to listen. The only time, and we're going to talk about spanking now, discipline. The only time you do it is rebellion. If you didn't write this down, you write this down, don't ever forget it. Never, 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 never spank a child for making a mistake. Why? You don't want them to quit doing stuff. 
And they make a mistake, encourage them, say, oh, you can do better. Uh, uh, this is a tap. You know, they take the milk, and they set it on the thing, and it falls over. Don't start screaming. Now you're the child. Now we need to spank you. <laughs> Just look at them and say, well, there you go. Go get a towel, get a sponge, clean it up. They won't do it again. That's, they're, they're fixing to clean the table, and you're going to show them how to act when they get married. Amen. Amen. Okay. Now, if, if he sets it down, you said, okay, go get a sponge, and he goes, no. Now we have a That's different, a different story. We're going to clean it up when we come back. Come with me. So I'm going to read, <laughs> I'm going to read a scripture because you always deal with rebellion, and you say, at what age? If they can rebel. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share. We were in Tennessee, and uh, they have home church. And I'm sitting next to a young lady who's got a, how old was the baby? She, she was 18 months. 18 months. 17, 18. She's sitting there. Stuff's going on in the living room, and it's a house church. And the baby kicks, and she goes, baby. That's it. She's not even two Yeah, yet. There's, the whole room's full of children, and all the parents go, come in and sit down, and every child comes in and sits down because it's in their culture to train your children. So hey, well, y'all are nice and quiet. So, so I'm going to help them with their quietness, their thinking, but I want to say this in the middle of that since we're talking about a house church. This is like a big house church. Big house church. And we welcome children of any age in this church. You want your babies to sit with you? Let them sit with you. They'll get things in the presence of God here, even though they don't understand it all. They don't have to go. We, ha we provide children's church. We provide youth. We provide fun for them in, on their level. But the truth is, is that we don't ever want you to think that we don't want your child in here. We want them in here. You want to bring them in, sit them down, have them behave. Now, if they start screaming and you don't do anything about it, you might get a tap on the shoulder by an usher. Now, this is mama talking to the congregation. You might get a tap on the shoulder going, hey, we have a nursery. Hey, we have, we have accommodations. But that's only because you're letting them continue to scream. And, and now you're disturbing the rest of the people around you. But if you want to bring your children in here, we, we welcome it. We love it. And don't ever allow your, the fact that your child is pushing your limit to embarrass you. We all know what we're watching is you. We're not embarrassed that your child's acting childish. We're embarrassed that you're acting childish. <laughs> if you have to look at me and go, please excuse me for a moment, I'm perfectly fine with that. You know, we respect that. We expect, just go outside. So in this home church we're talking about, there's times you would see a parent leave. Nobody says anything. They come back in a few minutes later. That's not tongues. Anyway. Um, and the child is perfect. Is perfect. The rest of the meeting. So let me tell the story now. Lisa and I, and I'm going to let you tell the story. We were, when the boys were growing up, we had people who expected our kids to be perfect all the time. And we, we went on a vacation, and tell the story. So, so we, have, we have a friend and um, married couple, and so they invited us to a place in another state. So it took us about five hours to get there. So we're talking the boys were four, two and a half, and one. So 
if you can imagine that age of boys in the car sitting van, a van, on the van sitting quietly and they're in car seats at that because they had to be by regulation so they're riding they're sleeping they're whatever we can to entertain them they're not screaming or crying 5 hours in a van we get to our friend's house who who don't who didn't have children and they were still preparing dinner and getting things ready. It was, it was a great night, so nothing wrong with that. But we walked in, and we greeted them all, and everybody greeted each other. And um, it wasn't of, late at night. And it was one, lunchtime. It was, like, it was, it was like five, five-ish, but there was still about another hour, 45 minutes of cooking to be done. And um, one, of, one of our friends said, well, um, I said, hey, is there a park nearby? Like right down the street, you know, in this area, I knew there was. I just didn't know where it was. And because um, I knew the boys needed to run this off. They've been sitting in a car for five hours. And so we're talking a four-year-old, two-year-old, and a one-year-old. And so they said, well, there is one right down the street, but why can't your boys just sit right here on the floor in front of the washing machine and dryer in the kitchen and wait while I cook and be quiet, and be quiet for the next 40 minutes? You understand normally? Normally, Normally, we would look at them and say, go sit down and be quiet. But But, they've been in a car for five hours. So I said, no, we've been sitting for five hours. So we're going to take them to the park while you finish dinner. And um, they'll be ready to sit And the minute we turned them loose, it was like, (laughs) you know, and away they went. And you let them go, scream, holler, run. You know, when we lived out in the country, you know, if you're going to do that, go outside. You can scream and holler all you want to, make all the noise. We don't care what you do. Just... You know, fight, wrestle, you know, beat each other up. We don't even care, you know. Some things we didn't. So we're but, not, um, we, we understand children. We had kids. We had five. Together we have five. But church but, doesn't last for five hours. Right. So I walked into Barbara one day, and, um, and I'm getting my hair cut, and I looked at Josh, and I said, um, you know, I need you to sit down while I get my hair cut. And he said, yes, sir, and he sat down, and he's so little, his little feet didn't, t- he just stuck out like Charlie Brown. Yeah. And I said, just read a book. And he picked up the book, and the lady goes, How'd you get him to do that? He was only three. And I said, you don't want to know. <laughs> but he, we didn't make him do that all the time. But when we go into the barber, you sit down. Okay. So I'm going to read. I'm gonna, I haven't read any of these. Um, you need to get going. 22.6. 22.6 says, train a child on the way he should go, and when he's old, he'll not depart from it. They will try. Proverbs 22. They can try. And you know what? I don't want you to think that you and don't think that Lisa and I did everything right. We didn't. We didn't do everything right. But I'll guarantee you we did pretty good. Now, looking back now, we're older. Um, we would hope that the kids would listen because we know more now than we knew when we were raising them. Okay. And Let the truth re- is, is that word train is like training a horse. Yes. And I had a horse and I helped break my horse. I didn't do all the breaking. I didn't do the major part of the breaking, but I had to continue the breaking after the, he, he was green. He was, I bought him as a baby. He was an Arabian, high spirited Arabian. And so I had to continue the breaking and the, the way to train him was not to tell him, right, Judy, was not just tell him, you know, trot. Well, later on, 
they hear your voice commands, your leg commands, all of that. But you had to put them in a round pin, a round ring, and you had him bridled, and you're pulling around with a rope, and you've got your whip in your right hand, and you know he's going around you, and you're whipping, and you know you're training him. You're making him what? Making him mine. Before six months was up, I had him where I wanted him. And, and I was happy with them. You can train a child. You can train them to be good people. Yeah, let's read the scripture in 22, um, 15. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. That means don't get embarrassed when my kid is two years old and act like he's two years old. Yeah, but he don't need to act like that when he gets 22. So you're gonna, that's a time period in their life where you're teaching them right from wrong and what you what you allow and what you do not. Now, I'm, I'm going to show you a book in a minute uh, by James Dobson. There's another one called Dare to Discipline. If you have kids, buy the book because I'm not going to cover this tonight. We're not going to go into all of the, but, but a kid must know he's accepted. They must know they're loved. You've got to spend time with them. If all you're ever doing is whipping them, you're not going to have the results. You cannot do that to a child. I used to go in Ashley's bedroom, and she, we, Ken and Barbie, and I was Ken. You're going to have to play with your children. You're, I took my kids to children's church. I took my kids to church. Yeah. I don't think that it's always left up to the woman in the house to be the spiritual head of a home. I don't know where that came from. If you're a man, man up. Take your kids to church. Amen. 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 I'm going to read a couple of verses. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Listen to this. Y'all just listen to me read Proverbs and just enjoy. Amen. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Um, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline, the rod, not you telling them, not, your not, hand. not you reasoning them, and not you doing this. This annoys them. That annoys them. They'll, they'll go, ah, ah. He said, not your hand. That's annoying. He says, use a rod because a child equates the rod as the discipline rule. But if you always use your hand, now your hand becomes, you hit me. You, you hit, hit me. me. You hurt me. But when the rod hurts them, it is totally separate from you. Daddy is good, but when that rod comes up, they separate rod and daddy. But if daddy uses his fist or mommy or uses hand, they can't separate the rule of punishment, the rod rule of punishment. And so they come to respect the rod. So that's very important. And then the Bible says this. It says, discipline your son, Proverbs 19, 18, or daughter. Discipline your son while there is hope. While there is hope. That's 19, 18. Do not set your heart in the New King James, it says, on all his crying, uh, his destruction. Another translation says, don't set your heart on his crying. This translation, NLT, says, do not, it says, discipline your son. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. In other words, I'm afraid to discipline this way because I'm going to hurt him and I'm going to kill him. That is what the Bible's saying. Don't let your heart go, oh, poor baby. 
Don't set your heart on his crying. Rebellion will send them to hell. So, All right, I'm going to read one more. Do not withhold correction. I'm 23, 13. From a child, if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. He will not die. If you beat him with a rod, you'll deliver his soul from hell. Mm. It's not up to the police to train your children. It's not up to the school to train your children. That's right. By time they get to be adults, and it's not up to their spouse to train them. And there's where there's a problem because in our society, by the time some people get married, it's like, oh, my God, no one took you out a child in aisle nine um, because you're still. So when it, we use the word beat, that, that, that throws up a, oh, see there, you're now you're talking about beating. Child abuse. Yeah, child abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe in child abuse. I don't believe in beating a child, but I do believe in strong discipline. If they don't know they got disciplined, you didn't. Someone, when a girl one time told me, says, well, I whacked her with a hairbrush. I went, well, now you're the child. I did. I told her that. I said, now you got a child raising a child. I said, honey, you need to get a board of discipline. Well, it'll kill them. I said, no, they won't. No. They won't die. They won't die. Mm-hmm. And, and you can, and see, you can even be calm. I'm going to whip you. <laughs> and then whip them and go, now, let's pray. You don't have to be angry. A policeman doesn't have to be mad when he writes you a ticket. Yeah. He don't need to write you a ticket. So you need to calm yourself down. And then and let them know what they did is wrong. And then come back in and say, let's open up our Bible to Ephesians. And let's talk about why I spiked you. What does the Bible say? Children, obey your parents. Why? So you live along on the earth. Do you want it to go well with you? Yes, I want it to go well with me. Do you want to be sick? I don't want to be sick. I said, are you going to thank me for spanking you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, well, let's pray. Let's ask God to forgive you, and then let's get up and go back in the room, and everything's cool. Every time that you correct somebody, now I'm talking about people in your family or children. I'm not talking about you're just the Holy Ghost police and you're supposed to go around correcting everybody. You have, you have your domain. Not everybody's life is your domain. You have your influence. So, so okay. So I just want to have to say that because everybody thinks that once that they've got the authority to be the Holy Ghost police, correct everybody. But the truth is, is that when you're correcting your child or you're, or you're correcting an older person, an older, an older child, grandchild, whatever, it, the Bible says correct them. So you can deliver their soul from hell. What you're doing, even from the very beginning of time, is that you're training them future to listen to the voice of God and submit and eventually get saved and submit to their creator. I've told you this. You know, I tell you all how I got saved. The game warden is chasing me. I'm going to the pen. And I'm going to be severely spanked. And I called out to God, help me. (laughs) You know, punishment is not wrong if it's used correctly. It'll deliver you. So that night I prayed and I prayed the whole, you know, if y'all ever seen Cool Hand Luke, yeah, I felt like that. I just wished I had some cayenne pepper for those dogs, but I didn't. And um, all night long I kept hearing, help me, Jesus. Well, when the sun came up, they pulled the dogs off me, and I slept in an old barn. And I, the next Sunday, I'm in church. The fear, the fear. Now, you might think I enjoy driving slow. I don't. 
but I also don't like giving people my money. So, y'all are good. Yeah, so I wanted to read this. The rod, Proverbs 29, 15 and 17. 29, 15 and 17. It says the rod and reproof give wisdom. Not just reproving. Not just correcting with your mouth. Not just telling. It says the rod and reproof give wisdom. Discipline your son or daughter, and he will give you what? Rest. I hear mothers say to me all the time, and not every mother feels this way, but I hear mothers say this to me, my child drives me crazy. And they, they work a full-time job. I'm like, why do you work so much? They're like, my children drive me crazy. Not all mothers say that, that work full-time jobs. But I've heard it throughout the years. I go to work so I don't have to deal with my crazy children. I said, you have them. And the reason they're crazy, if you have let them be crazy, they are giving you no rest because you won't discipline them. If the Bible's not a lie, if you discipline your children, they will give you rest and they will give, the Bible says it, what? Delight to your soul. They will be a joy. So I'm going to read it. I want to to tell you about a person. Lisa and I went today, we went down the list of who we would tell you about and how we would keep you from knowing who it was. So most of these are people you have never met. Thank you, Jesus. But I had, a, I had a discussion with a man that used to go to church here years and years and years ago. And he had kids about the same age as ours, and they would play together. And, and, um, and through time, they left and moved away. And one, one day, uh, I tried to talk to him about his kids. I, he don't want to hear it. And so later, he's older, and his kids, one of them's, been married two times or three, one of them's been, yeah, they're all messed up but one. They're, they're all in the world, drugs, crazy, beer, drinking, all but one. And he said, I did all I know. And I looked at him and I said, you're correct and you know nothing. You, listen, if you don't know, find out. Don't just say, well, I did my best. They're, your kids are eating the fruit of your laziness. That's wow, that's, that's, that's and And, you know, it's sad for him. He's talking about, well, my kids aren't in church anymore. And I'm going, I want to sympathize with you, but I can't. I tried to talk to you. That's why in a setting like this, it's a whole lot easier to talk to you because, you know, so there's a book right here called... Um, James Dobson answers your questions. Don't think that I didn't pour over this book with five kids. So, so write these books down if you want. James Dobson, D O B S O N. What does that one say again? James Dobson answers your questions. Answers your questions, and there's another one he, which is an excellent. If I get book time, I'm going to read out of it. Called Dare to Discipline. Dare to Discipline. So I'm going to tell you one more story, then I'm going to give this to Lisa. And this is a story about Nancy, and since you've heard it before, I'm just going to tell it again. But Nancy, when, when she left here and went to Virginia, Daniel, which we found out later, was diagnosed ADHD. A lot of that is Cocoa Puffs. It, it's sugar cereal, and okay, and, and a lot of other things. But Nancy, the Lord told her, told her to homeschool her children, and Brooke was dealing with, uh, with mental issues, and, and the Lord said, get her out of public school because they've already branded her. Well, Brooke now owns a bridal shop. He's 
doing great. Daniel works for the Pentagon. The, the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. Now, Nancy, when she said, I'm going to homeschool, the number one issue was Daniel don't mind. Instead of crying about it, she owned purpose, took him to the mall. She knew what he was going to do. This is not she's keeping him from doing wrong. This is a time she's going to teach him to mind her. She took him to the mall, walking through Dillard's, says, I'm going to let go of your hand, and I want you to walk beside me. He didn't. Boom, he's gone. She knew he would. She found him in the dresses, hiding in the dresses, and said, <laughs> let's go home. This is homeschool day one. You said, is she teaching? Yes. This is, if you don't get this down, Melanie, help me out with it. Forget the rest of it. So she got home that day, and she said, okay, you didn't mind me, and she disciplined him. You know what they did the next day? They went to Dillard's. You know what he did? He took off. You know, you say, well, I have a strong-willed child. Just be stronger in your will. I think it was the third day before he finally ran around her. He was very energetic. Energetic, but he's very energetic. But still, she says, we're going to go home. Mommy, mommy, don't do that. Let's go home. By the third or fourth day, he is walking through Dillard's beside her like a, like a, like a horse. You don't have to run a tight rein. You can drop the reins and say, walk, walk. If not, I got a bit, but I'm going to walk and I'll, I'll stay off the bit. And, and a horse knows what you're saying. A kid knows what you're yeah, saying. Yeah. But he remembers these last four days have not been well for him. So now she can look at Daniel and say, we're going to the mall. Yes, ma'am. We're going to walk with me. And he walked. And, and, and she said, I can't homeschool you if I can't get you to mind. The reason that our kids are messed up today in school is they're never taught at home to mind. And the teachers, God help them. But it wasn't so when I, I remember the coach that picked me up with a board and lifted me through the room. His name was Coach Shalagi. You know how you remember those names? Because that dude had a mean right arm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I remember moving his desk as the impact hit my gym shorts. <laughs> oh, Jesus. You know, you, you heard the term uh, headstrong, just headstrong, but don't, don't give your child its head. And there's a, there's a, there's a term in the horse world, don't give him his, your head, don't give him his head. And I, I had a, like I told you, I had an Arabian horse. I used to ride with Judy, my friend here. She's sitting here today, tonight. And um, I will tell you something from his old cowboy poking, horse riding, stealing, barn stealing days, he told me before, he told me a story before I ever bought, Han, bought Handsome. His name was Handsome. His registered name was Hansel, for the love of Hansel. Like Hansel. She and, called Handsome and I came Hansel running every Gretel. time. It was, it was a was weird a, name. It was terrible. A German lady owned him. She named him Hansel. Like, who names a horse Hansel? So I named him Handsome and because he understood hands. You know, he, he, I didn't want to change his name so bad. But he told me a story. He says, if your horse ever gets its head and he takes off and you, 
all the bridling in, all the pulling in doesn't do. He's gotten under the bit, and no matter how hard you pull, his headstrongness and, and the adrenaline of him running as fast as he did, the bit will do nothing. You can't do anything. And he told me, he says, if your horse ever gets its head, this is what you do. And he told me what he had to do one time when maybe he didn't have a bridle, running down the freeway with, with uh, Booger. I used to go to right? the. I, I used to go down to the lumber yard <laughs> and steal horses. And every, he didn't have a bridle or a every saddle. night. <laughs> they they had horses that they, and and when they would go home at five, I snuck in. Oh, his name and was I Irish. I took the horse out. I put a hay string in their jaw, climbed on their back, <laughs> and I rode that horse for hours and put it up wet. Never mind. I'll tell you the rest of the story one day. Anyways, but I, he was I, I ended days. up buying a horse that I had stolen that wasn't broken, but I broke it, and they sold it to me. So now I, they thought, well, if we has a horse, he'll quit stealing ours. And um, so it's he a long story. But I've had to climb up on the neck and grab its nose and cut off its oxygen so it would quit running. And, I mean, I'm talking about that horse. I mean, I've got on horses that are, like, wide open jumping fences through the prairies and we're all going to die here. And I climb it over its neck and I grabbed its nose and I said, if you'll cut his oxygen off, he will quit. So that's the story that he told me. He said, if you ever give Handsome his head and, and, and he takes off with you, because we're, we're riding on Golden Jim heading towards Sadler. We're, we're riding on roads. We got a lot of land to ride, but there's times that we're he heading towards main roads. And this one particular Saturday, I don't even know if you were with us that time. I know I, I thought I was riding with Cindy Robertson. I do know that. And, um, but uh, Judy lived on Golden Gym, but Handsome, Handsome got his head. Somehow he got his head and he's at a dead run and nothing I did to pull him in both reins. I mean, I am, I am pulling him in. I'm pretty strong, but nothing worked and we're getting closer to Sadler Road and Sadler's busy. And um, I remembered the story. You're going to have to climb up his neck, and we're talking at a dead gallop. You're going to climb and inch your way up off of the saddle, up his neck, and you're going to take your hand, and you're going to run it down his forehead, which is up. He's got his head in the wind. Yeah, they got their head up Their like head this. like this because they're, they're avoiding the bit. And so you're going to have to run at a dead run, leaning on his neck, run your hand down his forehead, and cut off the oxygen, at least cover. We were talking about children, but now you're getting your horse no, lesson. No, but listen, it does relate. And cut off the I had to do that. I said, oh, God, help me have mercy. I leaned up his neck, and I stretching my hand, finding, feeling for a nostril while at a dead run. Thank God I didn't fall off. And I wasn't prepared for what came next. I did not fall off, but I will tell you, when I cut off his oxygen at a dead run, this is how it went. Wow, it's like breaking the Mustang, right? And so it's like, but that's the same way with children. If you let things go and go and go and go and let them have their head, you're going you're gonna to end up in dangerous territory. There's dangerous thing territory. You can, do. you can rein them to the left or rein them to the right and make them run in circles till they quit. And you can do that with your kids. Just, just box them in and let them run it out. Amen. Um, I got another story. I will say this before you say that. I just read a very sad uh, statistic, and that is 
teachers, good teachers, are leaving the public school system in droves, in droves. Maybe more than 50, but I read 30 to 40% of teachers have decided just to retire and just leave the system, and they're still young enough to teach. And their number one reason was we can't control the classroom. There's no longer a learning atmosphere. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things. We, we, we've got plans to start a school, but one of the things if we do, your kids will mind it. We'll give them back to you. Amen. Your kids are misbehaved. We'll call you up. You can, well, I'm at work. I don't care where you are. Come get them. We will have a learning oh, I atmosphere. I won't pay you. Yeah, that's fine with Amen. me, too. We're not going to put them through it. So, so hold on, Judy. Judy, Judy wants to go horses now. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Judy wants to go okay. horses. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, that, that'll work, too. One but, day, now, Lisa and I have had the great joy of going out to dinner with people. So, if, if you ever go out to dinner and you take your kids, you, you may be a story. In the far future. <laughs> in the far future. So we had a couple in the church that had a little boy, and they did not believe in discipline. And our boys, just because they're disciplined doesn't mean they're miserable. They are not. So when we told the boys anything, we took them out. We did things with them. We had fun with our boys. Our boys just, they just grew up mannerly. That's all. They just, the, the times they got whooped was not as much as you think, but it was good enough to get the point. So we went to Altamont. We went out to eat, and we all got one of those big round tables. And this kid is a terrorist. I mean, he, mommy says, he starts screaming and all that. And our boys are like, I mean, they are sitting there watching this kid like, you're still alive? <laughs> and true. so we sit there, and, and, it, and it, it disrupted the dinner. I mean, you can't carry on a conversation with the parents. They're making excuses about their son and all that. Now, let me tell you something. When and if that were to happen to you, do not be afraid to say to me, please excuse us a moment. Amen. We're fine with that. We understand you have kids, and, and they, think, they think, well, I mind at home, but we're with the pastor, and I won't catch it now. Don't let that not bother you. Amen. So on the way home that night, the three boys were in the back in seat belts, and a little voice said, we were good tonight, weren't we, Mommy? And Lisa said, yes, you were. And they said, well, the little boy was not, was he, Mommy? And Lisa goes, no, they weren't. And so the boys were having this conversation with us over. They, they noticed. And we, I turned and I said, you boys are good. Thank you. But let me tell you something. It's a compliment when you, take, when you go out and, and people go, your kids are well behaved. Okay, I, I want you to tell the story of the lady that went, took her kids to church to a tea party. You know? Yeah, and before I tell that, I just want to read something to you. Revelation 3.19, Jesus said this, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. Don't take reproof and rebuke as a bad thing. Jesus says, only those who I love, I will reprove and rebuke. Why? Because if he sees you getting off the way, getting off track, he wants to get you back on. 
you know, the correction that was made, it was uh, the Apollo 13. They were just off by a few degrees when they got sent out into outer, you know, outer space and getting back on track was huge, what, what had to happen there up in that thing. But just getting off just a little bit can affect you a lot the further you go. And so the trajectory rate, it just gets worse and worse the further you go. So I'm talking to adults here. Many of you guys are uh, older adults in, in this service that's live right here inside the church building, maybe not online, but never, the Bible says, don't rebuke a fool or you're going to get yourself a blot. Rebuke a wise man. He's calling you wise and he'll love you for it. One of the sweetest things in our office is to finally get staff that comes on with us. And when we have to make a correction in them, it doesn't mean they they don't fall apart. They just say, okay, thank you. I'll make that change. Yeah. I won't do that again. That is wonderful to our soul. We don't think bad of them when we have to rebuke them. But, yeah. but when they fall apart and they can't take correction, that's tough. Let me tell you something right now. <laughs> so. Teresa, where is she? Back there. Wave your hand. Teresa, Megan, Justin, they're wonderful to work with. I mean, we get in a staff and go, hey, we did something this weekend with the guest speaker. Uh, we're not doing that again. Yes, sir? Okay. It's not, you, you, don't, you don't need to battle. Well, let me just tell you why. I don't want to know why. Let me tell you my side. I don't want to Don't say, do that. I don't, stop. Just say okay. That's, that's selfishness. <laughs> that is selfishness. Just, just let's don't do that again. And I've had people I had to correct, and they blew a gasket, and I went, well, you're a good worker, but we can't handle the gasket blowing lady got worked with Lisa one day up on the stage, and um, she, she just started screaming and throwing a fit. And then she looked at Lisa and said, sorry, I had a flesh meltdown. And Lisa says, we don't have flesh meltdowns, and you'll never have another one. And, of course, she went home and never came back to church because she wasn't allowed to have a flesh meltdown. Well, you're not either. You're not allowed to have a flesh meltdown. Thank yeah. you. Amen. Amen. So the story that he's talking about, and the reason we're telling the story is because people are all at different levels in their walks with the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't know if someone just received Christ and just got born again and just now start to learn these things. So be patient. Be gracious with people. And and understand that we're all at different levels. Don't just be so quick to, like, come down on them because they didn't raise their kids. They may have just found well, out in the Bible. If you also find out your kids aren't perfect, just say to yourself, okay, let's go work on this. But a friend that we knew a long time ago, um, she had two little girls and she, three, three. Yeah. she had three little girls and she told the story that, that she had just gotten born again and her girls were little. They were like two, four and six or something like that. And, uh, just got into church, just got born again. And they were invited by a church thing, a little tea party for mamas and, and little girls. And she said, oh, I'll go to that. She's all excited. She, she, she takes her two, her two older ones, not, not the other one. And she took them in there, and she, everybody, you know, all dressed up and all the prim and their proper. And, and the tea and all of that. Very pretty, da-da-da. And so um, all the girls were sitting down at the table, minding their manners. And then when these two little ones sat down, they were like climbing on the table. They were pulling dishes off. Interrupting They were interrupting. Parents. They were spilling stuff. And it just made her so embarrassed. Yeah. So embarrassed. 
And so someone at the tea party, an adult, a lady, had a talk with her and said, now, this, this is how you need to train your children. I know you're new in the Lord. This is how you need to train. But she saw that all the other little girls, their ages, were minding and hers were all over the table like monkeys. And she took it to heart and she said, okay, we'll never go back to this tea party again until mine have learned to mine. And so a couple they, times a week, she would make her own tea party They went home, and she home. got a, the table and set it up and said, come on in. We're going to have a tea party. And she began to address everything. She's sitting there talking, and the kids start, mommy, mommy. And she's like, okay, that's what, number one. Never interrupt an adult. Do you understand that? So you're teaching her manners. Well, she and, she, and, and she did this over and over and worked. And she had tea parties at home with the girls until they acted like ladies. And then the next time she came walking in, they went, oh, there comes so-and-so and their girls. But they walked in, they sat down, and they behaved, and they went, whoa. So that was probably Look about three to four months later. Yeah. It took her, but she took these Proverbs scriptures and said, I've got some learning to do. But the embarrassment caused her to go, let's work. I'm going to change. Listen, when you yeah. have a failure, just go, let's work on this. Yeah. All right. Just find out, right? How I to fix the engine. I want to tell one more story. When I was a youth pastor at Tom's Church, there was a young man there that um, he, when he was a boy, he was pretty wild. And his mother happened to be in ministry uh, somewhere in the Orlando area. I'm not going to tell you where. But she was in ministry, and the lady looked at me one day and says, they've always picked on my little boy. And at one time they said he he, he knocked all the headlights out of the cars. In the, and he did not. So on, when he came to the youth group, I looked at him and said, did you? And he went, yeah. Now, here's what happened. In, out of embarrassment, she never disciplined him. He didn't live long. Don't shout me down. Yeah. You, 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 sometimes we look at stuff and go, why did that happen? Hold on. You need to realize that this kid left church and went wild. And the minute he got out from under the restraints of church, bam, I'm in the world. He was, he was, doing, he was doing everything in the world, rock and roll, music, you name it. And so it, it took his life. Now, now listen, would not have happened had your son knocked the headlights out. Come here. Did you did you? Thank you for telling me, and go deal with that. Amen. It would have been a different outcome. But 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 embarrassment yeah. is selfishness. It's pride that your kid could not possibly have done anything wrong. Yeah, I know your kids. They are very capable of doing some stuff wrong. But you need to know your kids and don't be embarrassed if they're not perfect. But be willing to. Now, I know some of y'all are sitting here going, well, I don't have kids anymore. You got grandkids. Okay. Yeah, and so now as they're older, you think they're, you can't do much with them. Here's what you can do for them. You can pray effective prayers over them. You can pray the word over them. You can pray in tongues over them. Let the Holy Spirit pray through you what he wants to pray. And then guess what? The Bible says um, 
great is the peace of my children in Isaiah. Great is the peace of my children or my grandchildren, for they are taught by the Lord. Now, I for years was quoting that they are taught of the Lord. Like that was my, that was my responsibility. And, and well, I, maybe I didn't do everything perfect, but I read it later and it actually is saying they're taught by the Lord. Yes, you're teaching them the things of God while they're growing up, but he actually can still teach them if you'll pray over them and confess the word, and he can talk to them in ways they'll listen when they're not listening to people they should be listening to. And I have had, I have prayed that way over uh, children and grandchildren, and some of you are older than me, some of you are younger than me, but I have seen and heard my own children um, I'm thinking of one time with a grandchild, but uh, where they would off the cuff say, you know what, I heard God say something to me, and I really knew I needed to make a change. That's the chastening of the Lord, but it came through, I believe, our determination in prayer yeah. over them. There, God's still talking to I them. I can't go and do it tonight. There's a time to talk, and there's a time to pray. We pray more than we talk, but sometimes... We, if they're open, we'll sit down and say, can we talk about that? There is a time to say you know, when the and, door uh, opens. I, you treat them like adults. They're, if they're older, they're adults. Don't treat them like a child. Listen, listen to what I'm going to say right now. You have 18 years to, to train them. When they get 18 and you go, well, they're going to make a mistake. Sure they are. You, if you didn't do a good job 18 years, you need to be worried. But if you did your job... Let them, let the Word of God take care of them. Don't try to turn your adult child in my baby. Your ba- it ain't, 18 ain't a baby. Boy, this is real quiet in here. So when Justin wanted to go out to Texas, and I think it was 16, we prayed about it 17. and let him go. Just turned 17. And we watched, I watched him close. I'm going to tell you, I watched him. I knew who his friends were. I, I knew a lot more than he knows I knew. And um, so through it all, there was times that I'd call him and go, how's it going? Well, so-and-so, yeah, okay. Are you minding? Are you listening? Are you? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to read something out of this book, and I'm not reading it to teach you. I'm reading it to show you what's in this book because I'd like for some of you to buy it. Now, listen, he goes into this. Parents have been commanded in the Bible to train a child. Um, he goes through three concepts here, or four. Concept one, you love the Lord your God. Is your child learning the love of God through your love? Number two, is he learning to talk about the Lord and include him in his thoughts and plans? They're not going to learn about God unless you teach them. One of the reasons I started writing children's books, you need to have time with your kids at night, reading good books, praying, Bible scriptures, whatever. You need time with them. One day a week is not enough. Yeah. Is he learning to turn to Jesus for help whenever he is frightened or anxious or lonely? Are you stopping and going, well, let's pray about it, okay? Is he learning to read his own Bible? Lisa made the boys read a Bible. You say, you brute? Yeah, she did. They still do it. Okay, is he learning how to pray? You teach them to do their own praying. Don't do it all for them. Is he learning the meaning of faith and trust? Is he learning the joy of the Christian way of life? I don't want to see him 18 and leave church. Is he learning the beauty of Jesus' birth and his death? Concept two, love your neighbors yourself. Is your child learning to understand and empathize the feeling of other people? 
Is he learning not to be selfish and demanding? Is he learning to share? Is he learning not to gossip and criticize? Is he learning to accept himself? Well, everybody says that I'm ugly. Your kids are going through all kinds of stuff at school. School is not a good place. And you need to, you need to, talking to your kids is important, how you talk to them, the way you treat them. Okay, teach them to do thy will, O God. Is he learning to obey his parents in preparation for later obedience to God? Is he learning to behave properly in church? They don't have to run through the foyer. Thank you. I heard that great, great amen. Is he learning a healthy appreciation for both aspects of God's nature, love, and justice? Is he learning that there are many forms of benevolence, authority outside himself, that he must learn to submit? Is he learning the meaning of sin and inevitable consequences? Is he learning to fear God and keep his commandments? That is the duty of man. Is he learning to be honest? Is he learning to keep the Sabbath holy? Is he learning the significance of materialism? Is he learning the meaning of Christian family and what it means to grow up? And is he learning the dictates of his own conscience? Does he know about the fruits of the Spirit? Does he know how to control his impulses? Does he know how to control his flesh? Does he know how to control himself? I'm just reading. I'm not trying to get you to memorize it or write it all down. I'm just telling you that books like that helped me when the boys were younger. And, of course, I had to learn it after the boys, the girls were. And I would actually read it and go, okay, I'm not doing good here. I'm doing good there. And I need to work on that. And it began to help me be a dad. You know, ignorance, there's no excuse for ignorance. And I would, I would work on the girls, and I would say, okay, today it's going to be Daddy Day. And, and you know, uh, Mark Ramos, um, Nancy's husband, uh, uh, he takes Brooke on dates, and he says, I'm going to take you out and teach you what a man should act like when he dates you. And, he, and she would wait all day. She'd dress up, and she'd put jewelry on and perfume. He'd put a suit on, and they would go on a date. And all the ladies are going, that's beautiful. Listen, that's that's manhood. You have daughters. Teach them to be ladies. Teach them what that is. Teach a boy what what it is to be a man. Teach him when to fight and when not to fight. Okay, come on. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. You know, and always remember this. Whatever you put in will come out. Whatever you put in will come out. Whatever you put inside you, whatever you put in someone else, I'm telling you, it will come back up at some point. And so you need to you need to trust that, remember that Jordan took a hold of what we put in him on Psalm 91. Surely he shall give his angels charge over me and keep yeah. me in all my ways. They'll bear me up in their hands lest I dash my foot against a stone. The way he read it to me was I'll not even dash my foot against a stone. And I read it in another translation, and that's what it said. So, so Jordan called me. I didn't never like the fact that he's driving trucks like that, but he called me a couple years ago, about two years ago, on a Thursday morning at 10 a.m. in the morning, and he said, Mama, I mean, just the fact that he said Mama like that, that's good news to hear. If he can talk to me, I just knew the tone of his voice. He said, Are you sitting down? I said, Yes. Should I be sitting down? He's like, well, I want to let you know. So the reassurance was that he's the one that's giving me the call and not a paramedic. But he says, I want you to know that I've been in a terrible accident. And uh, my partner, his ribs have been broken. He's in the ER room. And 
I came out with just a scratch. And he told me about Psalm 91. About he says how he prays it he every prays day. it every night. But what happened, and I'll, I'll, I'll show you this, what happened is that he's heading up an interstate, and there's a little bit of a hump in the interstate, like a little bit of a mountain, right? Not a mountain, but North Georgia, whatever. And they come over, and then all the trucks had stopped because there was something in, but there's still trucks coming up from behind, and they know they've been trained. You don't run 70 miles, you know, 80, 90 miles wide open. They're not supposed to be 90, you know, and when there's a hill, because you don't know what's on the other side of that hill. But this UPS huge semi came barreling over this hill at 85 miles an hour. And, and he's running hazmat. And he's, and Jordan's running hazmat, which is flammables, gas, and things like that. And so at that moment, he was running the most flammable hazmat, which is some kind of a, a chlorine uh, mixture. And so he's coming up to, to, hit, to hit behind Jordan. And what happened is that um, he hits... He hits a little blazer, Chevy blazer, that was right behind Jordan and just wipes her off the map. And Jordan saw this behind him coming, and he pulled out into the median just enough to where this, like, this is his tractor part, and this is the tanker. He was like this. He saw him coming in the rear view, knowing he's going to blow the little green Chevy blazer off the map. And at the last minute, he turns and runs his tractor into the median, which turns the back of the hazmat, which is the most dangerous. And so that when the, the UPS semi-truck hit him, he hit him right in the joint, right in the V, like that. And so it did not bust the tank. It would have killed many people, like Chernobyl, the gas that he was carrying. And so the, the trucker hit Jordan right in the joint. Now, Jordan is normally sleeping at that time. That's his sleep time. He drives all night. He sleeps during the day. But for some reason, he stayed in the truck and kept driving 10, 30, uh, 9 o'clock in the morning. At 7, he's in bed. He's going to bed to sleep all day while his partner drives. When you drive hazmat, you don't stop. It's one partner, this one, that you keep switching. And so, but he just decided to stay. Ron was still sleeping. And when it hit, it, it threw Ron out of his bed and broke his ribs. And uh, Ron didn't die, but he ended up, he can never work again like that. He's, he got a hefty settlement, you know, but... At what well, cost? it's eight seventeen. I want to tell one more story. But God quick. is good, Amen. When we were raising the boys, and and I'm gonna tell you more about the boys and the girls. You you have to teach them about life. Teach them, teach them. I mean, teach them everything they need to know. When they're old enough to ask a question, teach them. Um, when the boys got older, I took them to karate, and I said, I want you to learn to defend yourself, not to be a bully. But I want you to know that you know that you don't have to be afraid of anybody. And because of that, the boys grew up very confident. You, you don't create a bully by teaching them to fight. You create a bully when you don't teach them to fight. And I taught them self-control, and I taught them, you know, spend time, train your kids, not just in Christianity, 
Listen, ladies, teach your daughters to cook for God's sake. Well, I'm married, but uh, I never learned to cook. Mama wouldn't let me in the kitchen. Listen, teach them to clean. Teach them to cook. Teach, teach them to be a lady. Teach a man to be a gentleman. Make him open doors for people. I mean, just, just it's, it's a full-time job to raise kids. But I mean, take them out and, and think about what they're going to learn this week, this month, this day. And, and enjoy your time with them. They will love you for it. And even Justin now, sometimes we'll have talks. He'll go, so-and-so said something, and I learned something. I said, yeah, yeah, I never taught you that. You know, um, but they're still growing. They're still coming to us and asking us questions. We're still friends, even though they're adults. Okay, okay. And, and, and it should always be that way. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm done. So let's say this together. Say, Jesus, Jesus. loves me. Therefore, he reproves and disciplines because of his love for me. Say, I accept the reproof from the word of God. Help me, Lord, be more accepting of correction. Even if it doesn't always come the way I want it, I accept your correction, Lord. And I accept what I can glean out of someone else. Amen. Amen. Don't be mean to kids. Don't be mean to them. When in doubt, um, it's your fault. If you don't really know what happened, admit it. I've had a couple times I I spanked the boys, found out I was wrong, and I had to go back and go, Daddy was wrong. I apologize to you. Listen, don't ever be afraid to, to admit to your children you are not perfect. But you apologize to your kids when you're wrong. And and you make sure your home stays a very happy place. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us, too, that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.